This is Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss, and my guest today is Glenn Hatchell, the Behavior and Enrichment Manager at the Humane Society of Tampa Bay. I've asked Glenn to join me on today's show for a new extended feature I'm calling Ask the Trainer, in which listeners are invited to call 813-239-9663 or email dj at wmnf.org with everyday questions or concerns about their dogs. Maybe it's a training challenge. Maybe it's a behavioral issue. Maybe it's something else. Glenn has agreed to field those questions and help you with your dog, and I think he's exactly the right man for the job. Formerly a longtime programmer here at WMNF, Glenn has worked with the Humane Society of Tampa Bay since 2010 and is an accomplished dog trainer and behavior expert through both years of hands-on experience and academic coursework. For example, he has held the Certified Professional Dog Trainer Certification since 2014. For a number of years, he has run the Humane Society's morning playgroups featuring the dogs currently living at the shelter. And related to that experience, he helps match dogs there with prospective owners for successful adoptions. Other entries on his dog expert resume include starting in 2018 to work with the ASPCA as a behavior responder involving working with dogs from hoarding and dog fighting cases. So it's safe to say Glenn knows a lot about dogs and their behavior. So if you have dog questions for Glenn, you're welcome to start calling in now, 813-239-9663 or emailing dj at wmnf.org. I'll have a brief conversation with him in just a moment. But first, I'm practically contractually obligated to remind you that next week, next Wednesday, May 19th, we'll be raising money on talking animals as part of WMNF's intermittent spring fund drive. For now, I know I'll be assigned a gigantic fundraising goal, for an hour-long show especially, and the only way to reach that goal is to receive pledges early, so please donate soon. How about today, for example? If you're a fan of the show, if you've heard, excuse me, editions of talking animals that have been lying to you or that you've just enjoyed, here's a chance to support the work we do. We have a few special ways to thank you for your donations on behalf of Talking Animals, ranging from a week-long stay at a spiffy Kauai condo to the best pet hair remover gizmo that we've found so far around to tickets to the Renaissance Festival and more. So visit TalkingAnimals.net for info about these thank you gifts and fast, easy ways to pledge. I hope you can give us a head start toward our sizable fundraising goal. Thank you. Looks like someone's already calling in, so that's good. Jumping right on the Ask the Trainer possibility. So a quick reminder one more time about that, that we're devoting today's show to a new extended feature, Ask the Trainer, in which listeners may call or email in this morning to ask dog trainer and behavior expert Glenn Hatchell everyday questions about their dog, training questions, behavior questions, and so on. The number to call, again, is 813-239-9663, or you can email dj at wmnf.org. And before we get to those calls, we'll have part of our chat with Glenn, maybe get to one of the calls right off the bat. We'll see. But uh, either way, this is Glenn Hatchell on Talking Animals on WMNF. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Duncan. How are you? I'm really great and so excited to do this, and I appreciate you making the time to join us on this uh, initial effort at Ask the Trainer. Hopefully it's initial. Hopefully it goes well, and we'll uh, we'll do others. So we've got... Um 
So I got already a couple of calls and an email. So I'm just going to ask you some questions. Well, actually, maybe I'll ask you one of the questions for sure. And then maybe we'll get right to some questions because uh, that's kind of why we're here today. Or that's why you're here today. I'm just here to uh, cash in on the <laughs> notoriety. But uh, let's start kind of with your intriguing job title at the Humane Society of Tampa Bay. Tell me about being the behavior and enrichment manager. What does that mean exactly? And what are your chief duties in that role? And then we'll take some uh, some questions. Well, that's a great question. And I have to start out, though, with, by saying that every time I hear Rebecca Pulley, I think how much I love Rebecca Pulley. So Me too. One of the things I always love about talking animals is I always know it's going to start with a Rebecca Pulley song, and that puts me in a good frame of mind. Um, so I have my role as behavior and enrichment manager here at the Humane Society. I like to sum it up by saying that I want to provide, I want to provide an environment for the dogs that lets them get comfortable quickly because the the sooner that they are comfortable and excited about being here, then they're going to present better when the potential new family comes in to see them. And if he if this dog has learned that if somebody walks up to my kennel, I should be excited about this because I might get to go out to the yard to play or they may give me treat, all of these kinds of things. So my if I sum it up, my main goal is to get a dog in that state as quickly as possible because that means they're going to be in our care for a shorter period of time. And meaning out the door into their new adopted family. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Our metric in the system is called length of stay. When they came in on this day and went out on this day, what's that, what's that window through there? And obviously there's a lot of factors because we have to um, – I mean, I do the behavior aspect of it. You know, there's legal requirements for from the medical aspect. So obviously the medical team has a piece that goes in there. So there's a lot of components to length of stay. But one of the biggest factors that causes a dog to be at a shelter for a longer period of time is, you know, if they don't present well when someone comes in to see the dog. And that can be as a result of a lot of things. Most of what I deal with really are fearful dogs, dogs that are really scared. Um, and that also translates a lot to what I would deal with in the home as well, of people saying, my dog just pancakes or I can't get them to go outside. So mm. fear is something that is, I think every dog has a level of it. Every dog has some aspect of fear that they're dealing with. I think it's much like Sam said this morning, going to the news with with Amy, said, we all have mental health issues, you know. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. Every dog's dealing with fear. And what I look to do is build that resilience. So that kind of sums it up. That can involve some training, keeping treat teaching foundation skills. It may be involved nothing more than taking them for a walk and let them get comfortable. Or it could be having multiple people come up and provide treats for them so they change their response to people. Um, you know, it can kind of go all over the map. <clears throat> and enrichment really being the kind of things that makes the dog excited to be here. And But I think of it excited to be here, but really lets the dog ex ex um, exert their natural behaviors. Okay. Be a, be a dog, which is one of the five freedoms of animal welfare, which we've talked about on your show before. For sure. Um, yeah, but it really is having the dogs to be be able to be dogs. 
Okay. Long answer to your question. No, that's great. And we'll, and we'll come back to maybe pick up some, some of the strands of that. But uh, for people who are just tuning in, that, that's Glenn Hatchell. He's the Behavior and Enrichment Manager at the Maine Society of Tampa Bay. And he has kindly agreed to uh, dedicate his time today during Talking Animals to a new feature and, and perhaps an ongoing one, depending on how it goes today, called Ask the Trainer. And we uh, to see, be that, don't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've so, absolutely talked about that. Yeah. This is. That's part of what I'm excited about this is that we've talked about this for a year and a half, I think. And um, yeah, so it's up much like it has always been with the WMNF. It's completely up to the listeners how this goes. Right. Well, we do have some callers holding and we got at least one emailer. So I'm just going to let people know one more time that might have just joined us that you can get in on this. If you have any kind of question, kind of everyday more questions, but within reason, anything training related, behavior related, something else that's sort of vexing to you about your dog. Maybe you were someone who adopted their very first dog during the pandemic and you're just sort of still kind of getting the hang of everything. Any Anything along those lines and more, you can call 813-239-9663 or if you prefer to put it in an email, as long as it's kind of a short, succinct email, that's, that's better for us at dj at wmnf.org. But let's take our first uh, caller for uh, Glenn. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Glenn Hatchell. Hi, um, my name's Rebecca. I'm from Safety Harbor. I have a nine-year-old uh, Schnauzer Poodle mix. I've had her for eight years and she has this issue where when especially my husband, but any male comes toward me, she kind of loses it. And then sometimes she will go up and nip. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a problem. She she has this real shrill bark and she goes after them toward their ankles. And she just, we thought that she would get better as she got older. And we've consulted our vet about it, but mm-hmm. it's kind of getting worse. And it's a situation where sometimes when she'll see people hug, she gets upset too. It's just the proximity of people to me or the proximity of people to others that just seems to really freak her out, and um, it's the problem. Mm -hmm. So even if she sees people she doesn't know, she may have that reaction as well? No, it's usually people she knows, and it's especially if a man, and especially my husband, is coming even in my direction, even walking toward me. Mm-hmm. So curious, how long has she been with y'all? How long have you had her? We've had her, we've had her uh, eight of her nine years. We got her when she was a year old. It's like a rehoming situation. Okay, all right. So one of the things that we don't know, well, there's a lot of things that could play into something like this. So I'll try to give you some. My goal is to give you a couple of things you can try, but also let you realize how many factors could be affecting her doing this. Um, One of the first things that comes to mind, thinking what you said, that it's you were hoping she would outgrow it, but it's only gotten worse over time, is thinking about the fact of if we practice something over and over, we get better and better at it. So in this case, over time, she's continuing to continue to do it. And there's a reason she's doing it in there, which unfortunately she can't tell us, which is the challenge of working with dogs versus people in some ways. I mean, people may not tell you the truth, but they can at least verbalize to you. And with dogs, we can only look at their response and their behavior. 
Um, so you mentioned, I'm curious, so there may be a, there may be a, a gender aspect to it, of it being male, but have you seen her, if a female approaches you quickly, does she, no. she doesn't, she doesn't do that. Okay, so. Sometimes when two females will hug, she'll mm-hmm. yelp, but she doesn't get aggressive at all, and she gets protective of other females that, you know, are right. my friends or my family, too. If you're in the house, does she ever approach your husband? Yeah. I mean, when he's approaching me, she approaches him. She loves but him. But from, from, a, from a friendly aspect, you mean? Oh, yes, yes. Okay. I mean, they're, they're actually very close. It's just like a Jekyll and Hyde type thing. So does the so does the and I don't remember whether Jekyll or Hyde which one was the good or bad one. So is the bad does the bad ever happen inside or is it just outside on the leash? It happens uh, inside, all okay. consistently inside. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. So so I think there's there's in my mind the first thing that I think about is there's a couple of factors going on. One is that like I was mentioning, you know, she's been able to practice this over years and get really good at it. Um, and one of the challenges with something like this is, or, well, with her doing this, and also you see it very often with dogs who jump on people, is they get better at it because they're allowed to get away with it. So one of my first thoughts would be to have her on leash even in the house so she doesn't have that ability to charge after him. But if she's on leash, it lets you be able to get her attention. Generally, I would think back to you, but in this case, what you said, I'm thinking probably with your husband, and I would have him almost always having within reach some of her dry food kibble for a small treat that she starts to think when he's approaching, it doesn't mean he's a threat to you. It means he's going to toss her something she really likes. Okay. So that would be my first step. And like with anything else where we're looking at changing behavior, it's kind of like, well, let's start this way. And if it's successful, let's continue down that path. But, you know, let's reassess and adjust as necessary. So that's where... That's where I, I, I can give you an idea to go start that way, but this is one, this is the type of behavior modification that professional trainers do very frequently. So I would also encourage you to seek out, there's actually a couple of um, websites that I'll give that are the two that I always recommend for looking for trainers. Okay. I'm going to write them one down. Is, Okay, one is the, I'll say the letters and then I'll say what it means and then I'll say it again. It's CCPDT, that's the Certification Council for Professional Dog Trainers, CCPDT.org. And the other is IAABC.org. And that's the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. Um, both certifications, there's extensive questions or, um, well, yeah, testing knowledge to ensure that that person understands um, kind of the protocols and the steps to go through changing behaviors like this. And 
and that's why I always recommend those two sites. But I also, by the same token, don't want to discount those up-and-coming people who are still working on their 300 hours to go for the certification. So I don't want to cut anybody else out in this, but um, uh, those two certifications demonstrate a commitment to positive reinforcement. And what I like to use, which ties back to what Duncan was asking earlier, is about least intrusive, Lima, least intrusive and minimally aversive. And what that fundamentally means and what I do here at the shelter in a situation like this is that we don't want to do anything that's going to make the dog think that we're a threat. And any response we do should be to try to take or try to mitigate that from the dog as much as possible to where we are getting their response change. Now, I think that's what you're dealing with here. And I know it's kind of a long answer to this, but I also know that there's probably five other people that are sitting at home right now that have a similar kind of thing they're dealing with. And what's happening here, or actually one of the pieces, there's two pieces of what I've described. One is that your dog, she starts learning that your husband, or a male, but right now your husband to start with because she's got the best relationship with him, anytime he comes up to you, he's going to toss something good to her. So in other words, her mind is immediately on the fact of, daddy just gave me something I really liked, rather than thinking, oh my gosh, mom's in trouble. Now, I'm also jumping, assuming I know what the dog's thinking here. I'm saying that only because based on the behavior, let's assume that and see if we get a different response from the dog. So how does that sound? That sounds like a good plan. Good. And I would say with the age, you're not looking at a big change in her quickly. (laughs) But every dog, I get proof, the dogs prove me wrong 10 times a day. I'll think, oh, that dog's never going to do that. And all of a sudden they turn around and do it. And that's, that's why we do it. You know, let's see what they're going to do and let them make the choice. So good luck, Rebecca. Okay, Rebecca, thank you so much for your call. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you. All right, let's take another call. Hi, you're on Talking Animals uh, in our Ask the Trainer segment with Glenn Hatchell. Go ahead. Are you there? My name is Hans from uh, Safety Harbor. Hi, Hans. Uh, Good morning. Um, I've got two mini dachshunds that are four years old, two males. And whenever one of the males gets um, hit in the head or, for example, my wife stepped on his tail a couple of nights ago, he always growls at the other dog. Like he goes after the other dog like he's, he's angry at him for whatever just happened to him. He doesn't bite him, and they don't fight, but it's just this uh, this mad reaction that the one dog has when anything happens to him that he doesn't like, he goes for the other dog. What is that about? Um, that is a great question, and it's something that we see frequently, and there are people who have much more experience than I do that could give you a much better answer than what I'm about to give you. (laughs) So having said all of that, it is not uncommon for me to very quickly, when I come across certain things, to pass them on to other trainers who I know have some different expertise. Um, And this is kind of one of those that does play into there's so many layers that's going on, you know, in here. I think there's probably a sibling layer. I'm assuming they're litter mates. No, they're not. They were from different no. litters, but they're but they're only a week apart. And we brought okay. them into the house. Right. We brought them into the house almost at the same time. All right, and they were roughly what age then? Uh, eight weeks. Hmm. Okay, so they had gone. So there may be a little bit there, but you're right. And there's a lot of debate about whether there's really a sibling rivalry thing going on. I shouldn't say a lot of debate. There's there's some very very interesting 
uh, reports and studies looking at both sides of that. But it's not uncommon for one dog to redirect onto another dog during a sit during some episode where there's a lot of arousal. That could happen. You know, you may have seen it sometimes. Let's say when two dogs are at a fence and they're barking at a dog on the other side, and one of the dogs turns around and goes after the dog on its side of the fence rather than the one they're both barking at. Um, whether it is a redirecting of aggression or what, there's a tremendous amount of factors that could go. That could be. There probably are a lot of components into that. Um, one of the things that I didn't mention with, well, actually, Rebecca may have mentioned it when she was talking. Uh, she may have said something about the vet, but also I would. This is another one of those two where I would absolutely next time you have the vet visit, or if you see this getting worse is to have your vet check it out. Now, most vets don't have any behavior or training experience to them. There are some exceptions around. I mean, there are some great places around that I absolutely recommend to, but um, the what we want to do there is make sure that or have from a that the a medical side can rule out that there's no underlying medical conditions going on because since the dogs can't talk to us sometimes a growl can be that first indicator that first sign that ooh he's got you know he's sensitive on the side of his stomach or something um, and so it may present as a growl and we think oh the dog's being aggressive but it's really more of the dog got touched in a way that's really really sensitive and that's kind of the warning way of saying please don't do that anymore now that doesn't translate completely over to the reaction of the other dog, but it's more of there could be that medical aspect. And I think especially when we're looking at something that is as, um, I don't want to say unique, but I'm, I'm going to say as complex as this because there are a lot of layers. Um, I always want to make sure that there is a veterinary, there is a vet who's also making sure that you know, there's not something hidden that we may be dealing with. So there's there's the thoughts that I've had on just rule those out. But it also comes back to if in those moments I would immediately try to get their attention back to you. And that could be as simple as getting them to take a couple of steps to you and do a sit where all of a sudden their mind comes off of looking at each other and growling or one of them looking at the other to where it's like, oh, dad's asked me to do something. So now you've pulled his mind off of wanting to be focused on his sibling off of that and that anger to, oh, I've got to listen to that. So it's always yep. about also, I think, getting them to do something else. If you don't want your dog to jump on you, well, what do we want to teach him to do instead? And it's kind of that same parallel, I think, here. Yeah, it's hard to get him to focus um, on anything when he's in that state of mind. And what's interesting about it is uh, it usually resolves in them, into them playing. Right. He, yep. he growls, the other dog kind of gets submissive. And then uh, they, they rub it. He rub against. He just does this kind of aggressive rub against him, and then they start to play. It's just a well, weird interaction. Well, no, actually, actually, it's not because you know that could be. And again, so there's two ways to look at this. One is we can spin all of these complex stories, or we can play Occam's Razor and say, nope, they're just playing. <laughs> Who knows? But it could be this whole ritual that they've developed, and maybe it's you know maybe it's a, a, a coping mechanism, a coping way that they figured out or something if it turns into play from what you just said right there and you don't see that aggression escalating 
I wouldn't worry about it. I really yeah. wouldn't because play ultimately is what we want to see. And so, okay. It sounds, it sounds, All right, Hans, I think hopefully you can uh, put those into practice. We, we got a bunch of folks waiting their turn to speak with Glenn. So thank you so much for your call. Thanks, Glenn. Hans. Thanks, Glenn. Okay, so again, this is uh, Talking Animals. That's uh, Glenn Hatchell. In a segment we're calling Ask the Trainer. He's uh, the uh, Behavior en- Enrichment Manager at the Humane Society of Tampa Bay, a veteran uh, trainer and dog behavior expert. And we're going to take some more calls. With the- and, also, and also one who used to have to plan for a fundraising show. So I just want to remind everybody that Duncan is going to be asking for your contributions next week. So you can go to WMNF.org right now. And follow the instructions. I'm assuming. Yes, bless, bless you, Glenn. That's that's exactly right. Because if I can get any early pledges before next Wednesday morning's uh, fun drive show, a better chance of making my goal. So thank you for saying that. So we're going to get to another call here, and then we're going to get to one of the emails, and we're just going to keep going uh, while we can. So hi, you're on Talking Animals with Glenn Hatchell. Hi, Duncan. Hi, Glenn. Hi. Glenn, uh, we spoke about my dog, my two dogs. Of- a couple of months ago through a mutual friend, and uh, I just wanted to have a quick follow-up question. They were having, uh, I have a, a two, three or four-year-old uh, female pit bull who was a rescue, and she came from an abusive, abused background. And then I have another uh, dog, my uh, five-year-old pit bull. He's a mix. Now, when I brought her in, there was an incident. They got in a fight. Uh, I had to go to the vet. This happened one other time, and then a very minor one. Uh, but since then... She seems to have calmed down, and he's calmed down. They've gotten used to each other. They can lay in bed together. They can be out in the yard. I keep her on a tether because she has a tendency to roam, and my my yard's not fenced in completely. But um, what I still don't feel comfortable about is um, letting them play off leash. This is when it tends to happen. They get excited. What would be the best strategy reintroducing that without putting either dog at risk. Mm -hmm. Um, I would start if you've got somebody else that can walk, if you've got someone who can walk one of the dogs and you walk the other, I would start out by taking taking them on a joint walk together, not necessarily by each other. Don't let them interact necessarily, but Mm -hmm. one, they're getting some exercise and they're also near each other. So there's this acclimation of being around the other one, which obviously they already have. Right. So that would be my first thought of kind of getting them in a, I'll say a neutral state of mind. But Mm -hmm. here's where it's like, well, in some cases, though, some dogs that will help relax them and other dogs, all it does is get their adrenaline started. So there is an aspect of the play style, the energy that dogs each have to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are a couple, you know, a, a couple of ways to take the next steps with this. One would be, let's see, one of the ways to take a next step with this, well, I mean, I'm just going to go with absolute 100% protection here, would right. be to use a basket-type muzzle uh, okay. um, that will allow them to have full access to be able to drink everything. There's certain ones that I use that really let them do everything. But mm-hmm. what we're doing in that case is taking away their ability to be able to inflict any damage on the other dog. Because so often what I've seen is that to us, and sometimes even to me, it's like, I'm not comfortable with this. You know, I'm not comfortable with this right now. And then when we let the dogs do it, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like we want to have that meme or that picture with the dogs looking at saying, relax, humans, we've got this. And But the thing is, we don't know where that line is going to be. So from that right. maximum 
protection. It's not uncommon for me to put a muzzle on a dog in a situation like this. But this would be one to where if I'm seeing other very, if I'm seeing a lot of green flags and only a couple of red flags, that would mm-hmm. be one way to go with it. You know, but right. if there's a lot of red flags to begin with, yeah, then that's a whole, you know, there's, there's a, again, it comes back to the complexity there. So, but one of the things I also, there are, and I'm not going to make any recommendations because the the options are in the millions, but there are some foods and there are some supplements that really can help with calming for dogs. Um, yeah, I've seen some of those. I, I was giving her CBD oil, but uh, I, I withdrew it just to see if it made any difference, and she still seems pretty calm, but is it something similar to that? Well, I've, I've used CDB. Usually there's a there you know there's about a two-hour window I've found with CBD oil. It's not a long-term kind of – it's not going to stay in their system for a long period of time. Right. You know, having sort of influence. And I think it depends on the dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a big user of aromatherapy with essential oils. I have found tremendous success here at the shelter with essential oils. Wow. And that okay. can be as simple as putting a drop on the collar. Now, there huh. are some that are formulated specifically for dogs. And in other cases, I've just used, if it was handy, you know, I use something like lavender. Um, my dogs at home, it'll put them right to sleep. But I've also had right? other dogs that it's like, mm-hmm. they don't, I don't think they even are affected by it. So that's going to depend a lot on the environment, you know. But in a home environment, I think things like essential oils and you know, in trying some different supplements or things along that line, you may find some success with your dogs um, okay. to help them, you know, just kind of, again, acclimate a little bit more. Okay, right. thanks for your call, and uh, Thank thanks, you. Glenn, for your answer. This is Talking Animals. We're in the midst of our uh, segment, Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. And, again, if you'd like to do what those previous three questioners did by calling 813-239-9663, hopefully we can get you involved with Glenn as well. But we're going to take one of our emailers at this point. It says, trainers always say most important thing is to get their focus, but when I'm out with my dog, he is not interested in me at all. He's not treat or toy motivated. Any suggestions to get his attention around distractions? It is. That is one of the biggest challenges that I think all of us as dog owners have, um, even my dogs. Um, the, and it, there's not an easy answer to that. I have the one thing that I usually try in that case is I think there's a couple of ways to do it. If, you're, if your dog if you don't exist when you're out on a walk and he sees the other distractions, he or she, in my case, it's my female who um, I'm always trying to get refocused on me. That is not the time then to really work on doing that training. The time to work on that training is in your house or in your backyard where the distractions aren't there and you can get your dog into a routine that is almost to the point to where she becomes bored with it of really, are we doing this again? To where when you say, look, for example, there's, it's, it's rote that your dog, it's almost as reflective as if you, you know, touched on the ear or something like that. Um, Also, having said this, I've tried this before. Well, we've got to go somewhere else with it. So this is one of those that, okay, what else can we try? So a lot of times I will start going for other things that work on the mental and the brain and trying to see if I can get her to be maybe a little more tired on the walk. 
because sometimes, and again, it depends on the dog, once they get tired, you can start getting a little bit more attention because they're calmed down a little bit. Um, but usually one who pays no attention, I try, I try noises. I'll try squeaky toys, um, anything that makes a unique kind of sound, just something to... So if I can't get the focus on me, thank you, I'm thinking through how we would work through this. Let's say that we're squeaking and not getting any reaction from your dog, then what we would want to do in that case is turn around and walk the other way, create some distance, and then let your dog see the distraction again and move away far enough until we have your dog responding to you. Then we start trying to move closer again. Again, this comes back to kind of behavior modification kind of things. I mean, it wraps up into a lot of that. It's not an easy thing when you've got a dog that is this focused, which is why working in the backyard can be an advantage because of fewer distractions, but also sometimes we'll go to really, really, really high value food rewards in cases like this, like liverwurst being one of the things we try here at the shelter. So some of the ideas that come to mind to begin with, but I feel for you because that's a, that's a challenging thing to take a dog on the walk. I didn't even mention equipment. Um, you would want to also consider a front hook harness or a mouth harness, like a gentle leader or a halty. Okay, cool. I think that's great, Glenn. Let's uh, take another caller. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with uh, Glenn Hatchell in our Ask the Trainer segment. And the number to uh, get, get involved while we still have a little more time left in the show is 813-239-9663. Go ahead, please. Hello, you're on the air. Hi, is that me? Yes, that's you. Go ahead, please. Oh. Perfect. Okay. Hi there. Hi. Um, so Hello. I adopted my dog, Toby, uh, just before Christmas. Uh, he was rescued a couple months before that. And the running hypothesis is that he may have been a bait dog in a fighting ring. Okay. So uh, surprisingly, he walks on a leash really, really well. Um, but when he meets other dogs, he stands uh, perfectly still. His tail is up and he just lets the other dog smell. Um, mm-hmm. He seems to be more confident around smaller dogs um, mm-hmm. and quick, more quickly backs away from the larger dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my concerns is that he doesn't have any front teeth, so I get the impression that he's anxious uh, without a way to protect himself if anything goes wrong. And I'm wondering, uh, how do you work with socializing a dog like this? Um, so, so far, he's, if, I'm, if I'm thinking about what you're saying, he stands there with his tail up and doesn't really move a whole lot and lets the other dog check him out and then walks away? Um, he might walk away. He kind of does a little bit of a, a jump or he gets excited. Um, and then because he's on the leash, he kind of he doesn't have anywhere to go. And right. the excitement kind of kicks off more excitement with the other dogs. So then we typically just leave. <laughs> okay. Um, honestly, it sounds like to me that it would, so would, would it be, would you say he bounces a little bit? If I called that a play bounce, would you say that's an appropriate term? Yeah. Okay. Um, my, that what immediately goes to mind is he may be looking to play with the other dogs. And when he does that bounce there, it's kind of trying to get the attention, you know, attention getting, let's play. 
Um, okay. You know, my my thought would be to one of the advantages of doggy daycares is that they do usually will do intros with other dogs. Well, I shouldn't say they usually. <laughs> if they don't <laughs> do intros to make sure they're good with other dogs, you should find another daycare. But it really sounds like to me that he wants to play, and I would I would at least check with if you know a a, a good reputable daycare that would understand what you're saying, where he came from the background, and just see if they're comfortable in letting him be with some other dog. Um, And, you know, based on what you've said, um, everything, there's nothing you've said that gives me any real concern. He's not moving a whole lot, but there's a lot of dogs I see on greetings that do stand still like that. And the fact that he goes, all of a sudden kind of does what we'll continue to call the play bounce, that just may be the way he greets other dogs. But okay. you you are right, though, that, I mean, nothing is going to get a dog more excited than another dog. And when two of them are on leash and one of them bounces like that, almost always the other dog's going to start bouncing, too. And I sometimes think when all of a sudden they start acting crazy, they're frustrated because they can't get together. But, again, that's one of those of, okay, now I'm reading way more into it than any of us will ever know because the dog can't tell us. We can just see what they're doing. But it doesn't sound like to me you've got something to be concerned about there. But the good thing, it sounds like it's always ending in, well, what you want to make sure of is it always ends well for your dog. You always want it to end positively. Right. Okay, okay, great. Sometimes, treat, sometimes yummy treats do that. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much for your call. So, Glenn, the emailer who wrote in was saying I'm having trouble getting their dog's attention, uh, wrote back again saying, excellent advice. Thanks so much. So I thought we'd mention that. And, in fact, let's take one more uh, emailer at the moment. And just run our like final. To thank my wife for sending that email in. <laughs> there you go. That's right. It's an inside job. But uh, but we have a couple lines open at the moment on the phone at eight one three two three nine nine six six three. We're we'll get better part of fifteen so, minutes. You know, there, there's a couple of things that have kind of come through um, in some of this, and you had mentioned about well, actually, with the last caller about getting in December. Um, one of the things that's so key for dogs in the home or here at the shelter environment, anywhere they're new, they, they don't know yet what's going to happen next. And that comes back to that last conversation of what you want to make sure is that as things end, it ends positively, it ends good for your dog. And if we can always have every experience for the dog end in something they like, that will help your dogs overcome so much stuff. I did want to throw that in because it's kind of a consistent theme to um, what we've had so far. That's great. That makes perfect sense. And uh, so, again, we'll take an email in one sec, but just want to say, uh, again, we have a line or two open, which hasn't been the case for earlier part of the show. At 813-239-9663, we're hearing Glenn Hatchell, who's with the uh, Humane Society of Tampa Bay. He's the uh, behavior and enrichment manager there, veteran dog trainer and behavior expert. And he's uh, kind enough to be taking your calls and emails. And we have a little... What's that? Sorry. I'm sorry, I'm keep interrupting you here because I'm thinking of these other things that um, um, that kind of fit into it. Sorry, keep going. 
Okay, yeah, no, so I'm just going to say we have a little more time left and we have a couple line phone lines open if you have a question that you'd like to ask Glenn about your dog or any behavior or training issues or anything else, 813-239-9663. We're going to get to a couple more of the emailers, or at least one right now. So this one says, recently friends brought their two dogs over. We were all outside on our driveway. They were leashed, as was our female lab. When my husband leaned over to pet one of their dogs, our dog became kind of aggressive. What is that about? Um, again, a lot of factors. My first thought would be, had the dogs just ever met for the first time? There's probably some energy that's going on in there. Um, I'm guessing these dogs had just met from the first time based on the wording to that. Um, a lot of dogs will are much better at welcoming other dogs into their environment if they have a good walk together. So in a case like this, it's hard to say why the dog reacted. It may have been something like, wait a minute, if you're going to give out affection, Dad, I want it. You know, give yeah. me that affection. Where are you I'm going there, pal? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, since the dog can't tell us, we don't know if <clears throat> what we do know is what I'm assuming is the dog probably jumped and, and barked, vocalized in some way. It, it took me three or four years of play groups to remember that a bark has about a thousand different there's a thousand different reasons i made that number up that a dog may bark so in this case maybe aggression maybe it was um maybe it's fomo there's a lot of us that joke dogs absolutely have fear of missing out and maybe it was like wait a minute pet me um but there also may be some aspect of the dog thinking wait a minute there's two dogs there it's my dad i don't know them and there could have been protection thing kicked in. I, it's yeah. hard to say um, exactly what the function, the reason was for the dog responding that way. But coming back again to a consistent theme, what we would want to do right there would be let let the lab know that, nope, everything's good, babe. So it would be getting her attention back to, I would think in this case, the mom to begin with, only because the dad was over there with the other two, um, with the other two dogs. Yeah. Um, but there could, I'm assuming the lab was on leash as well. Um, and there could also be leash frustration to it. So that's the other thing. When we put leashes on the dogs, they can't 100% exhibit normal behavior. So there's an influence to that. And I mm. see it all the time. So um, those are some of the things that come to yeah. mind. Um, okay, those all make great, uh, great sense. And I'm sure the uh, email appreciates that. Let's get to another caller. Well, we can't hide you on Talking Animals with Ask the Trainer speaking with Glenn Hatchell. Go ahead, please. Hello. Turn down your radio, please. And if you have a question for Glenn, otherwise we got to move on. Hello. Hello, are you talking to me? Yes, please. Go ahead. Oh, good. Thank you. I have a dog, and she um, resource guards. She brings things into the house that um, I don't particularly care for, but I leave her alone, and when she's tired of it, I toss it. But lately, she's been resource guarding her leash, and she sometimes growls, and then a couple of times she's bitten my husband when he tries to take her leash off when she goes outside. Um, I don't know what to do about that. I told him to throw treats in front, and she, he does that, and that works, so she doesn't do it, but then she doesn't, she, she doesn't, that doesn't interest her anymore, and then she starts doing it again, and it's only a recent behavior. It's been about the last couple of weeks. Hmm. Um, so a couple of things. Well, you say the last couple of weeks. So I wonder, did any, is there anything you can think of that's happened on any of the walks prior to that that was scary yeah, for her? Um, we had a, a BIOS, we, uh, our cable, uh, whatever, our, our internet uh, come, and he was deathly afraid of dogs. 
And so he wouldn't come downstairs because he had to do upstairs and downstairs. He wouldn't come downstairs until, you know, she weren't, wasn't tied up. So we had to hold her on a leash for a couple of hours. And after that, that's when it started happening. But, you know, we had no choice because he wouldn't go near her. He was scared of her. And um, she she's very friendly. Dog loves people, loves other dogs, but just didn't sit well with her. And it's after that that it started. Yeah. Um, so I think there's probably... Well, based on that, <clears throat> excuse me, we could easily connect dots and say that's what it is. Um, has she, <clears throat> I guess, two questions. One, of what is her age and how long has she been with you? Uh, we've had her since she's a couple of months old. She's going to be two in June. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it probably is a reaction to that. My thought, since she, since your husband, it sounds like, takes her quite a bit. So two things that, two things that come to mind. There is a, 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 an exercise, a behavior that we teach a lot of dogs. And for those of you who have gone through obedience training with your dogs, you may be familiar with it. It's touch to where basically we open up our palm of our hand and we have the dog move forward and put their nose in the palm of our hand. And for doing that, we give them some sort of a tasty reward. Or if it's a mm-hmm. dog that really likes playing fetch, we'll toss the ball, you know, whatever that dog likes to, um, likes to do. I would start with that to have with your husband, have him do that to where basically, and probably have him have the handout to, if you go to, I'm going to refer, I'm going to give you another website here. I'm going to recommend a trainer that's on TV mm-hmm. that I is one of the people who I absolutely follows everything she does. It's mm-hmm. Victoria Stillwell. And her website is Positively.com, and she has a training protocol out there called Touch. And Mm -hmm. it's actually the one that I use for my handout because she explains it so well. But the idea here is that, or in my idea where I would want to go with this, is we want your dog to realize that it's okay to go forward to your husband, to his hands. Mm-hmm. There's not mm-hmm. anything bad going to happen behind, but happen from that happening. So in other mm-hmm. words, we want her to, <clears throat> rather than your husband reaching towards her, we want, <clears throat> I think you said it's a female, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, instead of your husband reaching towards her, we want her moving towards your husband. Mm-hmm. And that's, this is the first step there on touch. If you look mm-hmm. in behavior stuff, and if you read all of this, we're talking about consent here. You're giving your dog the choice to do the behavior or not. But what mm-hmm. we want to do is give her a reason to go to your husband because something mm-hmm. good is going to happen. And right mm-hmm. now she's like, well, what happened last time? I didn't like that, and I'm going to try mm-hmm. to prevent that from happening. <clears throat> the other thing that I would think about doing is going to a harness, a back hook harness, so mm-hmm. hands aren't coming towards the face. Yeah, so. I told them that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So those, yeah. those are those are the two things that I would try and think about first. But I would I would absolutely check out Victoria Stillwell's site of positively dot com because I mm-hmm. think you'll find several things over on there that will help you with what you're dealing here and as a result I, of what you had to uh, do when the cable guy came over. Which doesn't it make sense? Is where since there's 63 percent of the houses have animals, it would seem like part of their training would have something to do with recognizing dog behavior, but future goals, right? We're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Future uh, goals. So he should also do this when he comes back from a walk with her, put his hand out rather than to try to take the leash off right away. Oh, I would, I would, I would, I would do that 
I would do that every half an hour, every hour during the day. I would do it all okay. day long and get her to where okay. she is so excited to run up to his hand that mm-hmm. she starts moving into it. Yeah. Okay. And thank, even thank you, now that I think about it, even if that means you take off the leash when they come back mm-hmm. in until mm-hmm. she has gotten over this uncomfortableness with your husband, I'll call it. Okay. Okay. Thank, thank you so much you. for your call. Thank you so much. Take care. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you. So, Glenn, we're in the sort of the uh, the home stretch. We, we've got a few more emails, a couple callers. I don't think we're going to get to everybody today, but I hope uh, with that in mind that maybe we can uh, prevail upon you to uh, do this again down the road a little bit just because obviously there's a lot of interest, and I think people really have been appreciating your help and guidance. And um, we're going to squeeze in at least one quick email because I think at least as a non-expert, this question seems to be more uh, perhaps veterinary-related than behavior training. But it says, my dog dog has not been eating and has been vomiting. That's the whole email. That is absolutely call your vet immediately. Yeah. Um, now, from my own personal experience, my bit is, it's, or it's more in my mind, if they're not drinking water, that is, that is a dire emergency. If they're drinking water, then you still want to call your vet immediately. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, and there could be a multitude. You know, I mean, there could be a multitude of reasons for it. But if they're not eating, then there is definitely something going on there. Yeah. So let me see if I can find amongst our emails that we haven't gotten to, because I just don't think we're going to have time now to take a, another call before we uh, hit the uh, top of the hour. But this one just says, "I'd love to hear more about the effective use of muzzles and how to pick one appropriate for dog size and shape of snout." So I don't know if you can do that in like a, Ooh, a minute or, well, or I'll less. Tell you, I'm going to yeah. give you. An, I will give another website right. Okay. And actually, it's the website of a guest that you had on a few months ago, Michael Shikashio. Oh, great. Um, aggressivedog.com. Because on Michael's website, he has videos of acclimating your dog to a muzzle, and he uses the muzzle that I highly recommend. Oh, great. Okay, well, that's simple enough. That's fantastic. All right, well, Glenn, I think we're going to probably just do a wrap-up and another little uh, appeal for the Fun Drive show next week. But I, I really, really appreciate it. I think people have really gotten some great uh, input. We've got a nice variety of questions. And, again, I do hope that we can uh, somehow put the squeeze on you to come back and do this again. Uh, oh, to- I'd love to. I think we should talk about cats next time. Yeah, absolutely, and there's a lot of questions I had for you that we didn't even get to that we'll, uh, we'll carry over to the next show. So thank you yeah. very, very much for making the time to uh, join us on Talking Animals and provide absolutely. all that help to thank all you. those. Thank you, Tampa Bay, WMNF.org. There you go. Cool. <laughs> all right. Thank you, my friend. Okay, thank you, Glenn. All right, my thanks to Glenn Hatchell for all kinds of great input and help for all our uh, dog Loving listeners out there. So this is the tail end of Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. Again, a reminder that next Wednesday, the 19th, I will be raising money uh, for WMNF alongside my longtime pitching partner, Laura Taylor. Hoping you can give us a head start with an early pledge via WMNF.org. Just please be sure if you go to WMNF.org and, and are able to donate today, which we'd really appreciate, just please be sure to uh, indicate that your donation is in support of Talking Animals. An alternative, you can go to TalkingAnimals.net and look for uh, quick, easy ways to pledge that way and also some some thank you gifts, limited, but still some nice thank you gifts uh, that we have for people who are able to donate in support of Talking Animals and mostly, of course, overall WMNF. So we'll be back next Wednesday morning with that. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And again, sounds like we're going to have Glenn back for another uh, segment of Ask the Trainer. Thanks for all your calls and emails. I'm sorry we didn't get to everybody, but we got to quite a few, and I appreciate it. It's Talking Animals on WNF Tampa.